it's having done all of that internal work that allows for connection, really doing that work to get yourself to that place of freedom, full self-expression, love, all that, where you can just be with people that allows them to step into your space and also be that way. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's got to be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? that one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right. So today, the review was actually a two-star review, but I would love to read it anyway because it comes to us from someone really inspired is the name and... The headline is F word gets in the way of a potentially powerful message. So I wanted you guys to know, look, honest review is an honest review. So really inspired writes, I feel bad saying this, but it was very difficult to listen to what I know and feel has the potential to be a great and powerful message between all of the F words. I really wish the podcasters would stop using the F word like a comma. If they can lose the swearing, I would give this a five star review. Well, really inspired. I fucking love the review. So thank you so much. And uh, to everyone else, if really inspired, by the way, if you email me at elon at satoriprime.com, although you might not still be a listener, uh, I will be happy to send you a wonderful present. For the rest of you, if you are inspired to leave us an honest review on iTunes, please do. And then when I read it out loud, I will send you a present as well. All right. Now on with the fucking show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Personal Development Without the Fluff. I'm very excited for today's guest. We've had uh, a rough go of trying to get this to work. So finally, uh, I hope in today's the day. Uh, so first, <laughs> before we jump into all the content, I just want to welcome Christina Mandlakiani to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. You're Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to be on the show. And yeah, take two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take take two. So Christina, I'll I'll let her share a little bit more about her story. But if you uh, caught the last name, it might ring a bell. Um, (laughs) She's actually Vishen Lakiani's wife and partner in life and business. So she's uh, responsible for everything Mind Valley or lots of things in Mind Valley. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I know that you spearhead one of the leading self-development, transformational, spiritual companies in the world. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So Christina, <laughs> before we jump into kind of your 
um, what you want to share here today. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your personal background and your personal story and how you kind of ended up here. Yes, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, I'm co-founder of Mindvalley, maybe not so well known yet because I have been mostly uh, working with Mindvalley in Russian-speaking market, Uh, but I still consider that Mindvalley is Vision's uh, baby, so Vision is the mama, and I'm the less present daddy in that (laughs) project. (laughs) (laughs) That that might be, uh, you know, in today's today's Me Too movement, gender, this, binary, that, that my people be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to children, it's, it's the reverse. I'm, yeah, I'm the mama for our actual two children, the, the, the biological, I mean, flesh and <laughs> blood children. But when it comes to mind valley and to my background, I was born in Soviet Union. We were just talking about that. I was born in Belarus, actually coming from the part of the world, which it was very massively affected by Chernobyl. It was actually even mentioned in the latest mm-hmm. HBO documentary. But uh, I was only born there. And that was before the explosion. And then I lived the majority of my life in Estonia, which was at that time Soviet Union. And um, at some point, I got married to Vision, moved to US, and that's where um, the company was started, Mindvalley. But coming from a Soviet background, uh, there were two very interesting things. First of all, uh, entrepreneurship was punishable by law. It was illegal. So entrepreneurs were the unicorns or magical creatures who do not really exist, but everybody talks about Yes, this is number one. Number two, personal growth is still this. This uh, battle hasn't been won yet completely in where I come from. But uh, let's say twenty years ago, when we were just starting, people who were dealing with personal growth were losers in our opinion. So I remember the first family fight we had with Vishen. I think we were not even married then, uh, but we were still dating. He said, "Christina, you have to read Men Are from Mars and Women Are from Venus." by John Gray. And I said, no, Vision, what do you think? I can't deal with my life. Why do you think I'm stupid? So that was exactly what he said when I finally met John Gray personally. He's like, and meet my wife, Christina. She refuses to read your book. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So I ended up both in business and in personal growth by chance, not by design, because none of these things existed in my universe where I came from. That's amazing. I'm so curious now that you mentioned that, like when you met Vision and mm-hmm. he obviously has kind of always had an entrepreneurial spirit, I'm sure when you met, so he must've been to you just this like anomaly of a human being. What, uh, you know, coming from that background of like, that's weird and that's weird. How, how did that end up? So that was also a little bit of a chance. Yes, he was. A, I knew he was into business. And by then I was, I mean, Soviet Union collapsed when I was 14. So we met with Vision when we were both in university. People sometimes do not realize that I actually had known Vision for such a long time that I remember the days when he wasn't really famous or known yep. <laughs> or super successful. When we started dating, in fact, he had just uh, burnt uh, all his savings. Actually, he had borrowed money from dad uh, for some venture, which he didn't work out so he had to bo- he had to rent a couch in a student's apartment because he couldn't afford to rent a, a bedroom that's the story of how we met or oh, let's say that's that's what kind of a person he was then Amazing. so yes he was he was uh, always entrepreneur of course that was uh, interesting for me but that was already an opportunity which was out there so i had met um, people who were interested in doing their business so that was attractive that he was curious to do something for himself 
but as I say, he was a student. I was a student. We were very much on equal footing. So what I liked in him was his lightness. I enjoyed, uh, you know, I enjoyed hanging out with him. I felt happy when I was next to him. So that's what brought me over. But there was no mind value when we started dating. Sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, it came later. And when it comes to personal growth, <laughs> I told this story actually to Neil Donald Walsh. And he said, uh, basically, uh, Vision has to thank Neil Donald Walsh for having me in his life. Because when I first date, uh, came to visit Vision in New York, I still didn't know his interest in that. I knew he was into business. Uh, and he had this series of books, Conversations with God, on his shelf. And he tried to uh, convert me a little bit into personal growth. So he said, oh, this is a really cool book you should read. So I started reading the book and it was interesting, uh, very different from what I read. I read mostly classical literature. I love reading classical literature. So personal growth is not exactly my choice literature. So I started reading and I liked it, but he had like three or four books in the shelf. And I realized that one week of me staying in New York is obviously not going to, you know, I'm not going to finish the books. So I thought maybe I should keep on dating this guy so that I can finish the books. (laughs) (laughs) When we told that story to Neil, Neil said, Vishen, you owe me big time. That's right. You do owe me big time. That's amazing. So was that kind of the first foray into this, this world of, you know, spirituality and personal development? I was still not convinced because, uh, first of all, it was curious, but I come uh, from a very uh, logical uh, background. Uh, Those people who still remember history, now with Google we don't remember anything, uh, might know that in Soviet Union all the churches were converted into, you know, youth centers or meat uh, warehouses, but they were not serving as, you know, as the place to pray and to connect to the higher power. So my physics teacher, he was uh, smoking this, you know, Pipe was an older dude, really, really like classical picture. He was so cool. But he would say to us through his, you know, whiffs of uh, pipe smoke, whatever is not explained by physics does not exist. And of course, what we teach is very seldom explained by physics, which is interesting. But, but that's the interesting thing. I love physicists. I love scientists talking about the topics that we talk about. Sure. This is the marriage of, of uh, science and, and the metaphysics is exactly what I enjoy. In fact, right now, just across the water from here, there's, there's this event which combines you know, science and, and the non-duality, but never mind. So when we started dating the vision, I was very far from that. Literally, it was either for losers or it's not explained by science. That means that it not, doesn't exist. And then uh, I was working for the government. I was curious in, pers- uh, in, in, um, in philanthropy because I believed in changing the world through, through causes, you know, mm. solve the conflict, feed the hungry, you know, plant the trees and things like that. That was the way I thought I will impact the world for a really long time. And then, then we got married. And moved to New York. I moved to New York. That was my first week in New York uh, as a wife. I still remember cooking Indian food and then ironing socks because I had nothing better to do there. And then Vishen said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I have to conduct an event over the weekend. So I'm not going to spend the weekend with you. So if you want, you can come along. And I thought, come on, this is my first weekend as a wife and I'm going to spend it by myself. So I said, of course, I'm coming. So I'm coming for this event. It's a tiny event. Vision is training like a handful of people. How to uh, develop intuition. Nice. Can you imagine? Yes. And here I am. And the first day, end of the first day, we have, to do, uh, we have to do an exercise where we are given an object and we have to read an object. Okay. 
Yes, and that's that's for me from yeah, yeah, the Soviet yeah. Union. Yeah, I was gonna say so, that mine is going crazy. I was I was giggling. I I couldn't I couldn't even keep my eyes closed. I said this is ridiculous. So of course at night I'm thinking, God, I didn't know he was doing this stuff, but it's too late. I'm married now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> And then the next day, of course, mission, uh, at the end of the next day, we had to do a similar exercise, but more intense. We were given like a name of a person, age, location, and we had to read the person and see, you know, what's, what's wrong with the person. So I tell Vishen, I can't do this exercise. I, I just can't. He said, don't worry, I'll do it with you. So he does the exercise with me. So I relax a little bit. It's, I'm not giggling. And I have such a hit that I still have my hair, my hair standing on my back. Because wow, it was, awesome. it was absolutely impossible. And, you know, I can share it and you will say like, yeah, maybe. But I know for a fact that it was impossible. I know that, that I saw something which I, I do not know where it came from. And that was, that was like a, in a way, a wake-up call because... I was allowing this kind of experiences, but I had never experienced them. And here I experienced something which I have no conceivable way of knowing, except that it came from above. Mm-hmm. And it still took a few years before I got completely converted. But along the way, I was helping Vishen with his business because I lived in New York as a foreigner's foreign wife. So I was not, uh, I, I had no visa. I had no way to work. So since I had nothing better to do, I was doing a little bit of fr- freelance work. I was just helping Vishen with this new start up he had, Mindbelly. And I was doing everything, customer support, proofreading, uh, design. I designed our first logo. Uh, then websites, I, I programmed. One day Vision came and said, I think we should program in PHP. So I learned PHP for that. Wow. Uh, legal uh, bookkeeping. <laughs> and yeah, I got, I got through that side. And then at some point, you know, I was more and more trying to explain things to our customers. And I, I learned it along the way. But it, it has been a long journey. I've been in business for 16 years now. And only last year, I found that I have something to share with the world. So until then, I was just a marketer. I was a business owner. I was doing anything that was needed to be done. Amazing. What a cool story. It's like, the, the talk about like a reluctant hero. It's like the reluctant <laughs> person. Every step of the way, they're like, here's this beautiful book. You're like, nah, here's this, nah, <laughs> and here we are. It's so funny. It's like that life path just keeps tapping you like come on christina come on christina i know i know and i'm i'm like no but here i am amazing Finally. amazing so now i mean this is you you shared this with me beautifully before and now it like all the pieces kind of make sense about how you love talking to people mm-hmm. who are skeptical kind of like you were about this whole world of you know energy and non-duality and things like that so um is that kind of when you said, like, I finally found something to, to share and speak about after 16 years? Is that kind of where you You know, it's, a, it's a slightly longer journey because actually the message that I have is quite, uh, quite a message for... Uh, we, we were just talking about that there is this um, personal growth and transformation junkies of people who are interested in that. And these are the people with whom Mindvalley has traditionally been talking because what we offer is very often a university-level personal growth. It's not a fluffy thing. It's... We... we like... It's like with any education, you have you have the preschool, you have, uh, you know, middle school, and, and then you have the the, the university school, college. Yeah. Yes. So I get it. But then the thing is that what I enjoy, and there's a lot of guilty pleasure, is talking to people who are open 
uh, for changes, who are open to do something with their lives, but they just don't know where to start because they come from a different background. Maybe they're not interested in energy. A lot of the people who are right now personal growth junkies came from uh, from the fringe areas. Uh, and. And people who are coming from mainstream are generally coming through maybe biohacking, maybe fitness. So we are all converging. We are all coming together at some point, but we come from different directions. And I enjoy the people who come from the business environment mostly. But then also, you know, maybe just regular people who who live regular lives and maybe their concept of, you know, healthy lifestyle is just not eating junk food and, (laughs) and not too much sugar. And it's fine. I love this. And there is a guilty pleasure in that because uh, the thing is that we have answers to every single problem of humankind. We have all of them. So seeing a person who is super, I just came from an amazing event with, I was surrounded by super successful people in business who make huge money, who, who have figured that out. But sometimes a little, a little idea I've heard uh, about, you know, having balance in life can create an aha moment for them. And the guilty pleasure in is in seeing someone so successful suddenly like going, wow, thank you for say, saying that. I'm like, yeah, good. I can yeah. teach something to people who have actually made it. Yeah. So that, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. We work with, uh, with very similar people. It's really interesting. I've actually found, this is a slight generalization, but I've actually found that people who are super successful in the financial realm, so like in business world, uh, tend to really suck on the relationship side or mm-hmm. on the health side because they've programmed themselves at a very, very young age to realize that their self-worth or their value in life is how big they grow their business, how much money they have. And so then they go and they do all of those steps and then comes this... Um, I call it kind of like the last box syndrome where it's, you have a life plan and you go, okay, I need to have this, all these boxes checked for me to be successful, happy, fulfilled, da, 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 da. And so they go and they chase. And so they get that job and they check the box and they're like, ah, still not happy. Okay. Let me go get that house. Uh, still not happy. Wife, still not happy. Divorce, still not happy. Car, still not. And then they like get to that last box. Like, okay, I'm going to sell my company for $25 million or whatever it is. And they check that box. And then it's like, onset of depression and just apps like that's the rock bottom moment because that feeling of like oh my god i sold my company for 25 million my life is set and then the day later it's like oh shit but that feeling of being not enough or not worthy or not good whatever is now not even still there but it's more alive than ever and i've ran out of boxes to check to make myself feel good and i think that's where people kind of start asking these soul level questions where before it was very material external, they have to start asking different questions. And I think that's when they kind of like seek, you know, people like mind Valley and like us where they don't always know what the questions even are because they've never looked inside. Yeah. And the sad thing is that by then, some people have lived their full lives already. You know, we have a beautiful teacher. I love her. She's a personal friend as well, Marissa Pierce. She's a psychotherapist and hypnotherapist, in fact. And she works with successful people. You were talking about business success. She works with successful people who are like successful in sports, in, in, uh, you know, in entertainment, for example, with, with royal families and, and with really people who have, well, royal families actually haven't achieved it, which was born into good, good environment. But she was saying exactly what she was saying is that while they're, 
because why do they achieve success? Because they have this feeling of not enoughness. Yep. And often these achievements are meant to fill that void inside them. So they keep on going and while they have the goal, it pulls them. But the moment when they're there with the goal, they, you know, that, that idea that once I reach that, I'm going to be enough, it's, they, they find that it's not true and then they're yeah. left with themselves in their, their void. So she's saying exactly the same based on her experience and you're absolutely right. But the thing is that do we have to suffer all this way? Because it's not a very enjoyable ride if you are trying to achieve something to fill the void. Yeah, and, and that void, just, just for clarity's sake for listeners here, I'm not just saying about success in business. So there are people who try to fill that void with love also. So, you know, it's like their, their fear of being abandoned or alone. So it's just jump from one relationship. Okay. That, that filled the void for a little bit, but now that doesn't feel good anymore. So I'm going to find the next person, the next person, next person. And they're like addicts to try to fill the void. Um, I, I, I even think, and I'm curious what your experience of this was, but when I started in personal development, which was what, like, 17 years ago, I guess today, a lot of the stuff back then was very cerebral. You know, it was very mental and mindset driven. So it was a lot of, okay, this is how you're perceiving life. Let's reframe it. Now we can perceive it this way, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not taking anything away from that. There's obviously a lot, a lot of power in there. And I do think that first step, people kind of have to understand their mind to be able to drop into different areas. But after 10 years of doing that work, this is what it felt like to me. It was like, I would have the breakthrough Mm -hmm. and I'd go and live my life and I would just end up eventually back at that same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And then I would like, okay, let's go a layer deeper. And then, so the circle maybe took a little bit longer, but I always ended up back at that same conversation and the same thing. And after 10 years, I just went, okay, there's gotta be some other way to do this because I feel like even though I feel better and I, I'm going on these bigger rides, ultimately I'm putting a Band-Aid on it. The Band-Aid eventually falls off and I'm back at the same place. And that's when we really started looking at different modalities on how to heal from mm-hmm. within. Like stop trying to reframe and have the mind understand yeah. and actually go into the parts of the system and the body, what we call parts work, like to heal them. And have them mature and grow with you versus just say like, okay, well, let's look at it this way and then that. So I'm curious, was your journey similar? Because it sounds like you've been in kind of on this journey itself for a very similar time. You know, I'll comment on this situation first. First of all, I think uh, we have to understand that uh, personal growth started with uh, trainings literally on how to be successful. Because for a long time, we as a humanity thought that every person's goal is to be successful. Ah. That's what we're taught from very early age. Even at school, we measure success with with marks, right? In sports, we measure success. It's success is the goal for many people. Totally. That's why the growth started from that. But the same way as it's important to learn the letters and how to read for you to read any books, it's fine to learn how to reframe your, your, you know, uh, your beliefs or what, what is your worldview. It's, it's a very necessary skill. The question is, which area of your life do you apply the skill to? Are you applying it to the same area as, uh, you know, chasing success, in that case, you are going to be uh, on steroids when it comes to success. But if along the way, some symptoms you're ignoring, such as, you know, being unfulfilled, failing in health, failing in life balance, then 
the moment you are on steroids looking for your success, these problems also become more serious. Mm. So it's a necessary skill, but the question of how to apply it, because you can apply the same reframing into how do you understand relationships? How do you understand happiness? Mm -hmm. How do you understand your uh, relationship to the higher power? And it will be a different result. It's, it's literally our beliefs of working with our beliefs is just a technique which can be applied anywhere. The question is, where do we want to apply it? So maybe as a society, the moment when we start moving towards understanding that our goal is not to be successful, but our goal is to be happy. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that sounds like a terrible goal because I don't think it's a goal at all. But generally, we should more uh, strive for happiness than success. Then maybe we'll start applying those tools in other areas and they will bring more satisfaction. But yeah. now, back to my story. My story uh, started, in fact, uh, about a year ago. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> Surprisingly, yes. You know, um, we, we in personal growth tend to solve people's problems. So somebody comes and says, uh, I suck at relationships. Teach me how to mm. create like a lasting love. Or I have issues with, um, with money. <laughs> Whatever. And then we solve those problems. Um, but... The thing is that um, it's, it's like with physical body. If you only look at something which hurts very much and you have to deal with that, then you might become super sick because you're just ignoring other areas which don't hurt, but you're not paying attention to them. So what happened to me was that uh, a year ago, uh, I started having... Uh, I, I, I embarked on the journey. The journey started probably earlier, but it started bugging me. And I'm sure we all have these feelings from time to time. I was having thoughts or feelings which I would judge as wrong or inappropriate. Like I would be introduced um, to people as Vishen's wife and it would tick me off. And I would say, excuse me, he's my husband. Uh, and it, I was trying to joke about that. But the truth is, I, I was always feeling, but this is not all what I am. That's not mm -hmm. what defines me. There's so much more about me. Or I would go to work and leave my kids with, uh, with the nanny and grandparents and forget to call them for a week because I'm so engrossed in work. And I would tell myself, oh my God, I'm such a terrible mother. Uh, so when I was starting getting these thoughts that I should not be feeling like that, I should not be thinking like that, or I would go out with friends and suddenly realize that, wow, there are still people in this world who see me for who I am and don't see me as part of a bigger package, as a head of mind value or as a wife or as a successful person. And I enjoyed that. And I would think I would feel guilty about that. So the moment I started thinking, noticing these things, I have a weird brain. I have to analyze and try to understand what does it mean. So what happened was that I realized that I'm living uh, a facade, a beautiful facade, a book, uh, a life uh, by the book. Yeah. Because uh, when I studied in Soviet school, I was taught very early on, you have to be successful, you have to study well. So I got my uh, all, all straight, uh, excellent uh, marks in school. And I even got the golden medal for that. And then another medal because I was the best student in school. And that launched me on that perfectionist career. Yep. You know, I, I made my career super early. I uh, got married. I had my statistical two children, a boy and a girl. I'm telling you, I lived by the book. I have a business, I travel a lot, I'm surrounded by beautiful things. I lived a book life. And then uh, once I locked myself up in the bathroom because I really needed to let, let my emotions out. Mm. And I realized I can only afford to break down when nobody can see and nobody can even walk into the bathroom because it's beautiful. locked. I'm 40 years old and I cannot afford 
the world to see that I messed up. And that started the whole journey for me. Amazing. And how, what happened was, is that I understood that what I am inside is not what I show to the world. And I don't even see that because that's the weird thing about delusion. You do not know that you're not seeing the right picture. That's the power of the mind. And what happened was that I was not fixing any problems. I was just trying to understand who I am. And when I did, the beautiful facade of my life completely crumbled and fell into pieces. Wow. I was not solving any problems. I slammed the door on the business. I said, I'm so tired of that. I've been 15 years doing strategy, business development, marketing. And I said, I need a sabbatical. Uh, I discovered myself as a speaker thanks to just creating that space in my life because I was done. I said, I'm, I'm off. I'm not sure when I'm coming back to the office, but I'm off. And, uh, and then suddenly I started speaking on stages and, and being invited to podcasts. <laughs> and it was like for 15 years, I was doing something that I love. And I love marketing. I love business. I, I love business. But apparently there's something that I love even more. Yeah. And it wasn't available. Yeah. And then you, you have been referring to me as Vishen's wife, but the truth is that we have divorced. And that's part of that journey, unfortunately. Or unfortunately. We have but to I, what? We have divorced. Recently. Oh, wow. Yes. I did not know that. Well, we have announced uh, we have announced that. So it's, it's, it is out there. But the thing is that, uh, you see... That was an interesting experience for me because mm -hmm. the moment when we announced it to the world, I suddenly felt, finally, I know what to say about relationships. Because when people were looking at us and saying, you are such a power couple, you inspire me, please teach me. I was feeling, no, that's not how I feel. Mm -hmm. That's literally not how I feel. Now that I'm clean with that, that we, 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 we didn't divorce, divorce. We did um, a conscious uncoupling process. So legally, we're not husband and wife, uh, and we're not lovers, <laughs> sexual lovers, but we are really close friends. We're mm. very good parents to the children. We are still business partners. So I've lost a lover, but I've, I've actually gotten a good friend because while our relationship was not truly fulfilling us because something was not working, everything else was getting spoiled. You know, like you make a soup and you put one rotten ingredient and the whole soup is, totally. is done. So when, when, we, when we sat down and said, you know what, something is off. Let's not wait till the moment when we start provoking each other so that somebody of us can say, you see, that's why I have to divorce you. Let's do that because we feel that this has stopped working. Mm -hmm. And I know it's, it is an odd thing, but it was also a very liberating idea. Li very, how much has it opened for me? How much have I heard like, oh, but you failed in love? No. I've had 16 years of beautiful relationship. We've built a company. We have two children. We're still friends. No, it wasn't a failure. It's just a new stage. Mm. We just ended one stage. We started a new stage. And, you know, it, and I think it's still going on. But it, is, it all started with me asking questions. Why do I feel or think something which I think is wrong? Because there are no wrong feelings. They just uh, are. Yeah. Christina, thank you for sharing that. That was absolutely beautiful. Um, can I, can I ask a, a question about that process and, and what of happened? Course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So I have this, um, thing that I've seen in people kind of, we were talking about like the business people and you were talking about success and all that stuff. And I love that you shared the moment in the bathroom and how the perfectionist in you just always had to put on this mask of how you, you know, thought you needed to appear in public, et cetera. I'm curious did you notice as you were doing that inquiry, right, into yourself, did you notice that that 
mask and that feeling of having to look a certain way was way before vision and way before, you know, the school grades and all. Did you notice like how far back that pattern got created and how young you were and how it was just kind of like playing itself out? And maybe there were moments consistently in life where your soul, when you were kind of looking back, there, there were things that were being like tried to communicate with you to say, Hey, Christina, like, no, like, let's go here or let's go there. Or, let's do this. Um, what was that your experience as you were going through this? Yeah, I, of course I analyzed all of that. And I believe that we learn to put on masks as soon as we have to start fitting into the society. And I'm totally. not saying that masks are bad. Uh, like costumes on stage are an awesome thing. You, Everybody has experienced, you put on a different outfit and you feel like a different person. Totally. So it's fine. We have, to, uh, we have to be pleasant in society. It's okay. The problem is that we're forgetting to, taking them, to take them off. We, we assimilate with those masks and we forget what we are hiding behind those masks. Yeah. So masks per se are not a problem. The moment when you are told, hey, don't yell, you're in the restaurant. Hey, you know, uh, behave a certain way because you're, you're annoying other people. It's fine. We learn the rules. But the problem is that we forget that we are wearing the masks and we start wearing them for ourselves. So the way I talk about that is all of us build that building of our lives or of our beings and we have this beautiful facade that we show to the world. Perfect. There's nothing wrong about that. But how well do you know every single room in your house? How well, how well do you know the attic and the basement, the areas which are smelly or dark or dingy? So the problem with taking off the masks, there are two things, two hardest moments that I experienced for myself. Moment number one is where you have to start admitting things about yourself which you don't want to admit. Mm. For example, I'm not quite sure if I'm the kind of person who's meant for long-term relationships. It's a painful thing to admit because that doesn't fit the society. And I hear people saying me, telling me, oh, what right do you have to teach people anything if you are so wrong in that area? Wow. And then we judge ourselves. But what is right, what is wrong? We acknowledge that people can be vegetarians, meat eaters, keto, whatever diets, right? We acknowledge that you can love yoga, kickboxing like me, or horseback riding. But when it comes to relationships... There is one scenario, and this is a taboo area. Yet there are people who don't want to get married. Yep. There are people who don't want to have children. And we, whether we say that or not, but we judge them. So maybe I'm not the person to be in a long-term relationship. I do not know yet. I'm still discovering that area. But just acknowledging that this is a possibility was a scary thing. Scary for myself. And you find these areas in such things as relationships foremost, because this is full of taboos. This is the area where our ego is at play. So it's very painful to discover. Uh, it's sexuality, no matter how open we are, but still admitting that you might not be regular heterosexual human being, yeah. maybe painful, and it's usually painful. And it has to do with uh, anything emotional. And Fortunately, our brains are smart to, uh, to trick us. And psychology has answers to all of that. You know, there is such a beautiful thing. So in personal growth, we call it spiritual bypassing. It's a simplified term, which, which marks all the uh, coping mechanisms that humanity has come up with in centuries. So what happens? I feel something. And rather than admitting that this is a painful truth about myself, I'm going to start whitewashing it or inventing other reasons. Like... 
I don't like some people. And I'm like, oh, come on. I'm such a, an enlightened person. I love everyone. I can't not like you. I like you. I'm worried for you. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about you. But the truth is that you're just a bloody human being and you just don't like that person. And that's it. Just admit it and move on and stop being perfect. We yeah. all have this picture of perfect that we want to fit. And when we don't fit, we're like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. That's, I, I don't feel that. So the problem with that is that we're bottling emotions. We don't recognize them. And psychologists will tell you bottling emotions is very unhealthy totally. for your psyche. You will have emotional leakage. You will have explosion. So that is the first moment which is painful. When you start realizing that you just have to be honest with yourself. You can't be not honest with yourself. There is no other way. The moment you start being honest with yourself, it's like jumping out of the plane with a parachute. You are already in the free flow. You cannot pack the parachute back into the backpack and yeah. reverse the jump. Yeah. And it, it is a scary place because you, you got your flashlight and you went into your darkest uh, dungeon to see what, what's there. But the second painful moment was, and it was more painful than that, was actually uh, relating to the world your new truth. So hmm. when me and Vision decided to divorce, uh, decision was scary, of course, because, you know, things change when you're 41 and you're about to, to embark on a new journey. It's not a, it's not a pleasurable sure. idea. But what I was afraid the most was to tell the people that I love because we are so afraid to hurt them. So I was expecting uh, the most con- difficult conversations with the children and with our parents. And my mom didn't take it well, yeah. not at all. And, uh, and here I was, you know, thinking, do I do something just to, uh, just to do so that people who I love are not hurt? I literally had people writing to me and saying, do you realize that you're going to hurt people that you love? Wow. You're going to hurt people that you love so that you can, can stay true to what is important to you. Wow. What choice do you make? Do you actually consciously make the choice to hurt people that you love? Yeah. But the truth is that when it comes to my mom, nothing changed for her. After we divorced, she actually came to Malaysia to visit us. She stayed in our house. She was hanging out with Vishen's parents. We, uh, tomorrow, me and Vishen are going back to Estonia, where my parents are going to stay in their house. Nothing changed for them. She was hurt because she was worried for me, but this is her journey. Am I going to compromise what's important for me so that I don't hurt people that I love? This is the scariest decision. And I think I don't have the answers there, but I believe that if, if you're true to yourself, if you know what is important for you, there will be the moment where you will have to communicate to the world and to the people that you love the most something which might hurt them. And you, might, and you will still have to be true to that. And you know what? So the story of my mom ended with us not talking for a while because I was not ready to defend myself. I knew that if she calls, I'm going to try to defend myself, but it's not about me. It's about her reaction to what mm. happened to me. So that wasn't my goal. I didn't want to change her opinion. That was her reaction. So a week later, she calls me and I was waiting for that call. I knew she would call eventually and I was totally ready to talk to her. I just wanted her to be open. And she said, you know, Christina, there have been things in my life that I never dared to take decision about. And I know I've been crying in the bathroom as well for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Exactly my moment half a year ago. I didn't know yeah. she had this experience. And she said, you know, as much as I don't understand why you're doing that, but I admire your courage and I'm going to stand for your decision. Hello, my favorite listener. That's you. I wanted to share with you some of the amazing results and breakthroughs your fellow Satorians are experiencing as we speak from being in the collective with us. So if you haven't heard about The Collective or what you're missing out, check this out. 
So Amanda writes, a couple of years ago, I was destitute, living back with my parents at 36. I'd lost my job, was overcome with chronic illness and a strong victim mindset, and I was totally stuck. Through the influence of your training, I'm enjoying a much more fulfilling life. I've moved back home, gotten a great job, taken control of my health, and even bought the car I've always wanted. I'm ready to go even further into my awakening and manifest the life I truly deserve. I couldn't be happier to be part of this tribe of amazing human beings. Robin said to us, thank you. Since March, I've started meditating every day. I've lost 27 pounds. I've resigned from a job that I hated but stuck with because of the money. And I've already received three new job offers and even taken one of them that is paying more and I'm much happier. Plus, my relationship with my husband is flourishing too. Thank you. And Paul writes, after talking to my daughter, I now know that I feel relieved and much lighter because of it. Thank you again for everything. You guys have changed my life. I feel like I've come farther in the last few weeks than I have in the last few years. I'm so grateful for your help and support. I love you guys. Look, I know this podcast adds tremendous value to your life. My suggestion is head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and jump headfirst into the collective. After all, it's only a $9 a month investment and you'll get access to Guy and I in a whole new way. You'll learn some of the most cutting edge technology that we share with our best clients, but we can't really share here on the podcast. Imagine you and us interacting with each other live every two weeks for just $9. It's incredible, as you've seen before. So if you're wanting breakthrough results in your life quickly, head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and begin to deepen your journey as a Satorian today. Yeah, there's that program. I mean, like, it's the same lineage program, right? You got it programmed when you were really, really young. Like, this is what it means to be a good woman and a good wife and a smart girl and a da 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 da. And you just lived out that pattern until the noise got loud enough where you said, hey, listen, I got to see what's under this mask. It's interesting. I've, um, I think the whole mask phenomenon, which is very, very real, people wear it for so long that we almost start to believe that under the mask that we've created, there are like deformities. Like you're going to take it off and you're going to be this leper and, and people don't even know what's under there and you're just so terrified to take it off. And like you said, you know, look at the rooms in your house and this and that. It's scary for people to give up something that has been so ingrained as their identity to shed that and say, well, this is, this is, the truth. And it's not like, yeah, you're going to hurt people. I, I would offer that it's even more than that. It's like that feeling of being ostracized or not belonging. Because at the basic thing, human beings want to feel love and want to feel connection. Like that's, that's what drives all of us. You know, when you say happiness, like I, I would say just feeling love and feel, feeling belonging is what actually springboards happiness for yes. most people. So that that's where it's like, feels like, okay, I'm about to leap off this cliff and I don't know how this is going to end or how I'm going to land. When you're ideological and in your, like your twenties, you're building your life. It's a lot easier to quiet that internal intuition and guidance system 
because you have a vision. You're like, this is what I'm going to go do build with my life. Cause it's based off of all these programs and patterns. And you just go like head first. And every once in a while, something will come up. You're like, nah, don't worry about that. We'll deal with that later. Like we'll, we'll, we'll save happiness for later. We'll solve this health for later relationship for later. But you do, I think you, human beings are at this point where we're in the greatest time of humanity ever in, in most of the world where it's like, you and I get to ask these questions, you know, I'm, I'm 38. You're, you said you're 41. It's like at this time where we start to really like settle in and start asking questions. And I don't call it like people say it's a midlife crisis. I'm like, no, it's just <laughs> your soul is finally waking up and loud enough where you can actually hear it. And I think it's the most incredible journey that people get to go on if they so choose to, like you said, start doing the inquiry and investigating. So, you know, I want to comment on that. Yeah, please. <laughs> well, you know, there is a paradox of masks because you're right. Uh, there is a very direct correlation between uh, having the strength like the strengths of your connections in your life and your level of happiness. There was this Harvard research for 75 years, and that's what they said. Strengths of your connections uh, have the most direct impact on your level of happiness. But uh, Susan Davis, uh, not Susan David, sorry, Brene Brown, she's a very famous person by now. She's a researcher. She has researched people who have really strong uh, connections in their lives. And what she discovered is that for the strength of your connections, you have to be, first of all, believe that you're lovable the way you are. Absolutely. Second, you have to have the courage to show yourself the way you are to the world. Totally. And the vulnerability, and again, this is a buzzword, I want you to hear what Brené Brown says about vulnerability. That means do something without knowing how the world is going to receive you. So it's nothing, it's not about being emotionally unhinged and going into the dark areas. It's just not knowing how the world is going to receive you yeah. and still do it. So be, believe that you're worthy of love the way you are, have the courage to show that to the world and to make the step towards the world without knowing if the world is going to accept you or not. So this is the paradox of masks. We wear, there, we wear them to be accepted, but to be truly accepted and to form connections, we have to be willing to take them off. Yeah. And, and I think you've kind of seen this because you've been around, you know, some of the, the best minds and, and most amazing people in the world. Um, there is, and I'm saying we're all human, right? So like, I get that we all have our humanness and we all have our things that we're working through. And like, I'm not saying this from a, a perfectionist standpoint. I just mean that there is something about people willing to speak their truth, right? Be on stage that, that a lot of people find very provocative and exciting and magnetic. They're like, I want to be around that. And I've started to just kind of question like, well, what is that? And I really do believe that it's, we are attracted to people that are unapologetically themselves where they can be the asshole <laughs> and own it. You know, like they, own that they can be weird and quirky and they own that there isn't this like uh, you know and and i think for most humanity because that's not the way most human beings live they're always questioning like can i say this can i not say this should i wear that mm -hmm. should i not wear that could i call this person should i text them it, it's like it oh did my God. world and then they see this someone that gets up there and is just free of all the concerns are, at least from an appearance standpoint, like concerns of what others think and they're just being themselves. It is so sexy to people. So I'd almost yeah. say like to Brene Brown's point, it's 
It's having done all of that internal work that allows for connection. It's not like you have that connection and then you're like, okay, I'm going to work on myself. It's really doing that work to get yourself to that place of freedom, full self-expression, love, like all that where you can just be with people that allows them to step into your space and also be that way, which kind of creates that connection. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And you're so right. uh, Because the thing is that uh, being an apologetic yourself might be annoying to some people, especially if it comes from some other space. But you have to have the internal motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? If you, because I've seen people who are trying to uh, look like they are unapologetically themselves, but if they're not clear with where it comes from, and we can feel that. Cool. So there is like... I, I do not know Gary Vee very well, but I know he has a very bizarre style. But let's say if somebody is trying to be like him because that works and because he thinks that, oh, but that's, that's what I want to be. I like to be an asshole. But excuse me, you're only allowed to be an asshole. This is, if this is truly what you are and that's how totally. you function the best, you have, to, you have to have the reason. Like I wouldn't suggest people go divorcing to prove that they are true to their values. It is just yeah. me. And I've been through a lot of work, internal work, to know for a fact that I'm willing to hurt people that I love because this is so important to me. And if you are not willing to hurt people that you love because it is so important to you, probably you haven't gotten deep enough with, with what you truly are. Mm. And that's, you know, that's, there's a very fine line because people always ask me, but if I'm doing what is important to me, am I not going to be selfish? You know, being an asshole, is that being yeah. selfish? And I think the, 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 it's because we misunderstand the nature of love for oneself. For us, oftentimes, nature of love for oneself is like, you know, uh, say, say what you want, demand what's your due, you know, have high standards, pamper yourself. But that's not true. This is taking. Love for yourself is when you're filled from the inside. Selfishness, egocentrism comes because you have a hole inside. Exactly. That's why you start pulling from outside. That's why you start doing weird things like being an asshole to get attention or achieving something so that you get the love from outside. Love for yourself is when you're actually at peace with every single side of yourself. And you know that it's there for the reason. It is you. You cannot change that because that's what you are. And you're grateful for that because you have become the person you are for what you are. Mm. And then if you just happen to be an asshole, which is not a very pleasant true self, then at least you're at peace with that yeah. because you know that this is what you are and you can't change that. And not because you're pulling it off so that you can achieve something. You know, the weird thing, we love buzzwords. There's this buzzword about authenticity. Oh, you show up authentic. You cannot. Authenticity has no vector. It's internal process. The moment you're doing something for someone, it stops being authentic. It's a play. It's a mask. Hmm. I love that. That's really, really great. I love that, uh, that expression of it. Yeah. It's, um, that to me, the greatest game of life as I see it today is, is exactly what you mentioned. It's finding love for every single aspect of ourselves, uh, integrating all of the parts you know, when, when people come to work for us and with us, and I'm sure with you guys too, it's like, it's like you said, they all have this problem, but the way it's perceived, it's not like, Hey, I want to love that problem and integrate that problem. 
they're thinking like, hey, help me lobotomize this. Help me like get rid of this thing that I hate about myself so that I can feel happy and fulfilled and successful and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, that really, I think in the, in the 60s and 70s, the, 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 the way the world worked, it's like, okay, let me show you how to do that. Today, I think the new style of education in this world is a lot more about integration, a lot more about accept, you know, Michael Singer, surrender experiment, like acceptance and things like that. And there's this, be- and, and maybe you've noticed this with your children. It's like, when you acknowledge and truly, and I don't mean like fake love these parts. I mean, like really love these parts. There's a shift in internal frequency and energy. And especially with children, how old are your children, by the way? Uh, Five and 11. Okay. So amazing, right? They're, They're like these energy receptive beings at this ages. It's like, I, I noticed that when I do that deep inner work, they shift. My wife shifts. Like people around me shift without me having to have the conversations with them. I don't need to go and be like, hey, Shia, you know, like this and this and this. It's just something shifted. And all of a sudden that being responds because we are energy with energy. And so now it's like when people tell me I'm struggling with my kids, I'm struggling with relationships, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look inside. What's the part? Kind of like you were, you were saying that, that part that felt like you had to be a perfectionist to show up, right? That's a beautiful part. It's driven your life. You've been incredibly successful because of it. It's also hidden something from you so that it has the shadow and learning to love that shadow of it, learning to love the fact that, you know, I get to speak my truth and people can react however they react. That was a part that you were just completely closed off from. Now that part is being integrated and it's allowing you to show up totally differently, which has other people around you show up naturally differently without you having to say to them, oh, guess what I just did? I learned da 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 It's like it just happens. You know, and, and there is an explanation in biology. I don't have background in biology, but I know that the birds, for example, when they fly somewhere, they have this connection by connection. So they don't communicate, but you know, the first bird knows where to go and everybody follows. Yeah. And we have the same bio connection as well. Totally. We're just humans. We sometimes we are forgetting that we're all really connected on a very, uh, on a non-visible level. So of course, if you change things around, you will start changes. There's no question about that. Scientists know that. I'm just, that's just not my background to give you studies and explain that thing. But that's how Homo sapiens survived. You know, Yuval Hariri was, was writing about that, that, uh, the Neanderthals were stronger, taller, everything, but uh, Homo sapiens had the, the human systems in place. So they killed off everything. Unfortunately, we sometimes can't use that power properly. <laughs> but we are Most connected. of the time. <laughs> yeah. We are connected. There's no question about that. It's like we're a system, like our cells are connected, our uh, organs are connected. And if something hurts, actually the whole body hurts. That's why we humans have to start become happier because then the, the human body is going to start healing and maybe we won't kill our planet for, for a change. Yeah, for sure. It, something that, uh, so I work with my brother and something that he started saying recently, which I really, really love is to almost shift the paradigm of even feeling happy. So 
I think really what you, you said it right, like the cultural conversation is, hey, I want to feel happy, right? Like, and show me how to feel happy. Show me how to feel happy. And whatever people's definition of happy is. And he started saying this line, which I absolutely love. He said, the goal is not about feeling like getting better. Uh, it, the goal is not about feeling happy. It's getting better at feeling. And mm-hmm. um, when you were sharing your story about, look, you wanted to live and feel happy, right? But if you mm-hmm. think about it, that moment of you fully allowing yourself to feel sadness mm-hmm. and aloneness and despair and concern and worry, like, and just letting all that feeling out in the bathroom really was the, the game changer. So it's less about feeling happy. It's more about getting really good at allowing all the feelings, like, especially with kids, you know, they, they have this amazing ability when you watch them to flip from ecstatic to, you know, (laughs) super sad back to ecstatic and play where, where adults find it weird because we need like some big ass process to get from this to this to this, they're just like, ah, ah, you know, it's, it's just really no, amazing to watch. You know, you know, we are not taught uh, how to deal with emotions. And exactly. There, there is a lot of information, so you, we, can, we can learn it. It's easy. But you know, it's, what's, it, and it's a different topic. We're not going to go into that. I started my career on stage teaching happiness. <laughs> I have, as I have a, uh, literally, I have a talk. Six uh, steps to happiness, or six uh, ways to do, to be happy. Uh, and the the funny thing is that the more I taught that, the more I thought about that, the more I started talking about the pain. Yes. <laughs> we have another interesting thing in this society is that we are demonizing pain. Yes. So I realized that to truly learn to be at peace and happy, we have to learn to deal with pain. And here again, we have to blame ourselves because as the same Brene Brown says, children are born hardwired for suffering. But what do we parents do? Oh, if I want to be a good child, uh, a good parent, I want to make sure that my child is, is happy. And child is happy means a child doesn't feel pain at any point in time. Yep. And then we are surprised that we are growing up thinking that happy means not feeling pain. But the only true thing about this life is that we're going to feel pain from time to time. Yep. And if we don't know how to deal with that, and how do we know if we're like if our parents have done everything to avoid situations where a child can learn to be hurt in a safe environment? and learn to deal with that properly. We, have, we make sure that our children, our loved ones, don't get that experience because that's our idea of happiness. And then none of us understands what happiness is because that's what we impose on everyone. But truly happiness is not not having pain. No, it's not about that. Not at yeah. all. It's, it's, it's the delusion that our kids should be living in a Disney movie, whereas <laughs> like... I've never met a human being that hasn't felt sadness at a great degree, loss, whether, you know, love or financial, heartbreak, embarrassment, uh, despair, bouts with, with certain levels of depression, you know, whatever that level is. Like every human being has that full gamut of all these experiences. And yet you're right. When it comes to our children, it's like, I will shield you and protect you from having any of these experiences of what, what the soul and the human body gets to have, which like, to me, knowing, having children has been such a profound (laughs) development experience. 
especially because I understand like the neuroscience or like watching them grow and watching all these things develop in front of your eyes is fascinating. And now just playing more with the emotional side and the same way that I have learned to work internally with my inner child and my parts works so incredibly well with children. And so like even things that I've noticed that work really well with children, I'll actually go internal and go, okay, let me actually experiment with this internally. And it's incredible. It's the same self-love or the same love and, and acceptance and holding space for them to be in wherever experience of life they're having. When you can bring that internally, that to me has what's provided the biggest healing like full healing, not just like, hey, let's take another mandate on this, but it's actually allowed my my system to heal. And it, and it, you make those shifts internally, like you feel like a different human being like that. That's how quick it works. You know, it triggers so many emotions in me right now, because on one side, uh, when you were listing all the emotions that we try to avoid, you know, we have this interesting tendency, we humans, to say, this is bad emotions. This mm-hmm. is good emotion. This is positive. This is negative. Susan David, she's a PhD in uh, psychology. I love her. She has an amazing book. Absolutely should be must read for everyone in, in, in school. It's called uh, Emotional Agility. So she says that there are no such things as positive and negative emotions. There is no bad or good emotions. There are emotions we want more of and emotions we want less of. When I go on stage, I don't mind an emotion of fear because I know it will put me in the right state. Sure. When I'm going on a date, I might be afraid of the emotion of love because that might cause pain eventually. Mm. And of course, of course, we're going to feel emotions we want less of or painful emotions because attachment, attachment by nature is pleasurable. And when attachment is broken, it's painful, right? And the thing is that, you know, whether we like it or not, we have children, we are attached. We have a partner, we are attached. We have things, we are attached. So it's our choice. Do we want to to make these attachments knowing that they might break and we might be hurt or not having anything at all? Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting? Psychologists say you cannot numb emotions selectively. If you numb love, no, sorry, if you numb pain, you numb love. Yeah. If you numb, uh, I don't know, f- uh, fear, you numb courage. Yeah. You numb everything. So, and here I want to quote, it's not an exact quote because I don't remember, Ken Wilber. Ken Wilber says, he's a philosopher, he says, if we, if we say that everything comes from the same source, whether it's God or universe or whatever, uh, Big Bangs, then both light and dark come from the same source. Yeah. Yet we human beings are all drawn to light and want to almost like cut off the whole idea that there is something dark. Absolutely. So it's, it's like, I, am, I think I'm from, from teaching happiness, I'm going to be on the journey of teaching people to come to peace with pain. Yes, I love that. <laughs> because really it's like the only way out is through, right? And the only way as, as your story now unfolds, it's like you're finding new levels of fulfillment, passion, purpose, love through going into that, sadness, despair, like really. And that's, to me, that's everything. Um, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's like when someone says, I want to be closer to God, right? Like I want to be closer to source. It's, it's exactly like you said, they're like, they have a definition of what that is. It's like, okay, well, I want to keep all the good things that are in my life and I want to get rid of all the bad things. But it's, it's like, 
that's God too. All that other stuff is God too. And so the second we cut anything off, whether it's internally or externally, you know, there's that part of you that says, you know, I hate that I'm impatient. I want to get rid of that. Okay, well, great. You get rid of that. That's getting rid of the whole. It's like, okay, I just take off my left arm. Is, is that how you want to live? And so there's that piece of really, and I know this, this word of like surrender and acceptance, it kind of gets thrown around a lot, but I don't really quite think that people grasp because when they think of surrender, they think of that like white flag, like oh, yeah, give up. <laughs> but it's really not. I think there's so much strength and courage in surrendering and accepting the parts of us that we don't want to bring to the light. And the other piece that I think is just so beautiful, right? We spoke about connection and love and all that stuff. When you accept those things about yourself, you naturally, effortlessly, easily now have compassion and empathy to accept that in others, whether it's your children, your loved ones, people that you work with. And that's, if you, if anyone on here is listening and you think of like, when was the last time I was around someone and it just felt so good. Like I just felt connected and loved and I could spend all this time with them. I promise if you investigate it, it was because that person accepted you exactly as you are and exactly as you are not. You didn't have to pretend you felt like you could just be, and it was easy and flowy. And that's what we have the ability to not only give to others, but we first have to give that to ourselves. Can I just yeah, add please. one little thing? It was so it was so funny because just recently I came from another event and there was this speaker. He's he's a psychologist, neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Jack Alok. I don't know if you've heard about him. Loved listening to him speaking, and he was uh, explaining the, how the universe works. Apparently, scientists know only the origins of about five percent of matter in the universe. Mm. The other ninety-five we can't really see because it's dark matter. Yeah universe is 95% dark matter. And we here on planet Earth are so afraid of that. Yep. How, how silly is that? Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and between that and what they're finding out about the brain over the last like 20 years, and it just really starting to point more and more. It's funny. It's like you said in the beginning, science is starting to prove all the things that the woo-woo community has been talking about for so long. They're literally out there just proving it moment by moment by moment. So the logical people out there, right, have something to start grasping onto and go, oh, science says this is it. So this is it. But yeah, there's there's a beauty in that too. I'm curious, um, and I know we need to wrap up, but I'm just curious, like right now, you're obviously in this massive, massive transition phase. Um, what's what's the biggest area of focus for you right now? Like, what are you working on internally and, and wanting to, to shift and break through? I actually, I've gone through quite a lot of thinking and, and internal work and it goes on. Anytime, like, I'm listening to a lecture and I have a feeling which uh, is the right flag to me. I'll start digging deeper and trying to understand why I feel a certain way. What does it mean? What does it say? So this process is always there. Uh, if anybody knows me and follows me on Instagram, they know I find philosophy literally in everything. Amazing. Like my, fo- my phone broke. I had to be, uh, rather than an iPhone, I had to be on Android for two weeks. I actually had a philosophical post about that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, right now, I think I'm done with my sabbatical. It's been a year. And uh, I have a really good team. Uh, I love my team. I've not had a team like that 
in years. And I'm very excited. They motivate me. I, I'm actually working a lot with women right now, not on women issues, but just because I love, I, I love right now the feeling of working with amazing, inspiring women, just, just the energy. Uh, and yeah, I want to, I, I want to get my uh, personal speaking and me as an author more um, established. So that's what I'm working on. I just started speaking on stage recently. So I, uh, I'm doing that. That That is my next thing. I, I want to spread my message. I believe that what I have to say is necessary because I have had in personal interaction so many times just, just in passing, uh, commenting on certain things. I don't believe in fixing people, but when people ask for advice, uh, I believe in that. So I, I feel I have the message that I'd like to share. Amazing. Christina, it's been so great just spending time with you and having these conversations. These are like my favorite conversations to have that you never know where it starts and where it's going to end and how it goes. Um, and I'd love to, to continue doing this forever, but I know you are a very, very busy woman with a very busy schedule. So um, is there anything that you want to share? People can connect with you, find out more about you. Uh, right now, I only have my Instagram account going, uh, where I share my thoughts, uh, sometimes regularly, sometimes less. But uh, my program, um, which is called Live By Own Rules, which is exactly about this process, uh, is going to be launched in English very soon. We're just finalizing some details. It's, you know, big businesses <laughs> always have a lot of little details which are not visible from outside. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I Just stay in touch. Uh, so what, what's your Instagram handle? Christina Mund. It's Christina with a K, M A N D at the end. Perfect. So we'll put that in the show notes for you guys. And Thank then you, you guys so can... much. Yeah, it was absolutely great. Had an absolute blast. If you guys have any questions for Christina, find her on Instagram. Uh, if you guys have any questions for me or feedback, please find me at Elon at SatoriPrime.com or you can find me on Facebook. Uh, thank you again for being here with us. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And everyone else, we'll see you on the next uh, Performance Analytics Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.